Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your host, Doug Sweeney. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney. I am here with a good friend and a longtime beloved faculty member at Beeson Divinity School, Dr. Doug Webster, who has been a professor here for 16 years and has been a theologian many more years than that and was a faithful pastor for many years before uh, he joined the faculty of Beeson Divinity School. We're here today mostly to talk about Dr. Webster's new commentary on the Psalms, but we want to introduce him to those listeners who may not know him yet as well. So lots in store. Doug, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. So probably a lot of our listeners know you already, but just in case there's some people tuning in who've not met you and don't know much about you yet, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family and maybe how you got involved in pastoral ministry to begin with. Well, I grew up in western New York uh, in a family that was solidly Christian, came to Christ at a very young age. And I think through our own family dynamics, uh, probably never went through a particular period of deep questioning or rebellion. I saw the the solid and sound faith of my parents. Uh, My dad died young. I was in college. And uh, in high school, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, I mean, sometimes suffering plays a part in crystallizing our faith, deepening our faith, and I think Mm -hmm. that was true for us. My parents were also very involved in a Chinese Christian fellowship group, and so our home every Friday night would have scores, literally scores of Chinese students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, too, had an impact on um, my brother and I. Yeah, your brother who is to this day living in Hong Kong. Correct. Yeah. He's lived most of his adult life in Asia. Well, how old were you when you felt like the Lord may be moving you into pastoral ministry? I don't know as if I felt my, I was just really in love with the Bible Hmm. and uh, at a young age studied the Bible. I had a pastor who, when he went on vacation, uh, even as a teenager, asked me to preach a small church, you know, small Baptist church. And I was, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know as if I imagined doing something different. I didn't picture myself as a lead pastor, mm. uh, but as somebody who spent time in the Bible, I guess. And then tell us, so how was the timing of your theological study related to the beginning of your pastoral ministry? Did you serve as a pastor for a while before you did your doctoral work in theology, or did you go straight through grad school and then become a pastor after that? At Wheaton, I majored in Bible and then did an MA in New Testament. Uh, While I was doing the MA in New Testament, I worked as a youth pastor. Uh, I sometimes think I was probably the world's worst youth pastor. Um, But uh, quickly, sort of afterwards, decided to pursue a graduate theological degree, a PhD at the University of Toronto, Toronto School of Theology. So we went to Toronto, uh, got landed immigrant status, and I taught 50% of my time at a Bible college. And then the rest of the time working on maybe German, Latin, and Spanish, uh, the languages. And when I got to theology, I was thrilled. During that time in uh, Toronto, all three of our children were born. Our two sons were adopted. Our third uh, daughter came along. Um, 
wonderfully. Uh, the Lord built our family. Um, we were living hand to mouth. Uh, that meant that I also was involved in church work, uh, just to put bread on the table, and uh, as well as teaching. I think I trace it back to a student after a class one day saying, well, when are you going to go do it? And that question really stuck in me. In the last three years in Toronto, I was pastored in urban church along with the full-time teaching. And I think the combination of those two pointed me in the direction of pastoral ministry, sort of applied theology. Yeah. I don't think I've ever stopped really working on theology, but I've done it now in the context of uh, kind of real people, cross-generational, cross-cultural. I was trying to build the church. Wonderful. And then when you moved away from Toronto, uh, you served as a pastor in a few different places before you wound up at Beeson. Uh, we don't have time to talk about all of that, but just real quickly, where did you do ministry before you got to Birmingham? It felt very nomadic for a few years there, three years in Bloomington, Indiana, and then three years in Denver, Colorado, in a UPC church, and then 15 years in San Diego as uh, lead pastor of First Presbyterian Church, downtown San Diego. And after all that ministry, you were at least open to the possibility of getting back into a divinity school context as a professor. How did that work for you? What was going on in your head when Dr. George reached out and invited you to join the faculty at Beeson? Uh, I was 56. The church was doing really well. It just, First Press was doing really well. And uh, it seemed like, well, is there another phase of work? And should the last phase of my ministry be involved with preparing people for pastoral ministry. I've always had this tension between the academic and, uh, and the church mm -hmm. and where to be. Um, I probably mentally and spiritually prioritize the church, but I think it's okay to teach in an academic setting someone who really loves the church. Yeah. I well, mean, what a that's great what I, tension for a divinity school person. That's what I want to convey to students, that yeah. church is the place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. All right. And we're about to talk about your, your project on the Psalms, but I want people to know, I mean, I, you wouldn't probably put it in these words, but you're pretty prolific as an author. You've written about lots of different topics. So give us our readers a feel for the kinds of things you've written about before and why you've been so wide-ranging as a theologian and as a writer? Well, I am a generalist, and that's, most pastors, I think, are generalists. I don't think I'm an expert in anything. Uh, I process ministry through writing, so in a way mm. that's my counseling. Mm. Um, I came here and we didn't have a pastoral theology class as such, and so I, I lectured through that, and that became living intention theology of ministry. Uh, most of my time has been spent trying to understand, uh, trying to work in the middle between popular Christian writing and scholarly Christian writing. Hmm. And how do I uh, develop a pastoral commentary? And I have done so on, on James, Ephesians, Hebrews, uh, the parables. Uh, that's where probably my comfort zone is to try to process and I do that for, I think, the, the serious lay person, as well as for the pastor, to give them something to think about in preparing for sermons. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. All right, but my hunch is 
even a pretty serious layperson is going to be uneasy about investing in a four volume commentary <laughs> on the solver. How did that come about? Uh, how did you get into the, the practice of reflecting on writing about the Psalms? And how did this project get as big as it came to be? Uh, well, there's a lot to that question. Uh, uh, we had worked for about three and a half years in New York City, almost every weekend. I mean, there were weeks off, but uh, very consistently in replanting a church at 64th and Park, Central Presbyterian Church. That ended just the way it was supposed to end. The Lord was very much in the transition. We were ready, um, and the Lord provided a full-time, very capable pastor, um, Jason Harris. I had all this energy after working sort of nonstop, it seemed, and having all the time sort of needed to be used profitably. And so I started on the Psalms, and the, I didn't had no idea of the extent of the project. I just wanted to spend time in the Psalms spiritually and also prepare material that would be helpful for Beeson students, uh, who I hoped would um, preach and teach the Psalms more consistently. And so one thing led to another, and uh, I just I started with Psalm 1 and just kept going. And uh, I felt, and I, uh, I would maybe say, I don't know if I should say, but I would say that the Holy Spirit was in that. Mm. I kind of felt like I was in the zone for mm. three or four hours a day mm. on the Psalms. And it was just coming together in a way that... Uh, I was pleased. I brought Virginia in on the project, um, and she was probably the first editor and um, cross-outline person, uh, but it, uh, it worked out really well. I did not set out to publish that, um, but the more I got into it and the more I felt confident in the uh, helpfulness of the material, uh, I started approaching publishers, and I think every publisher, every Christian publisher turned it down. Uh, because of its size, eventually? Or? Mainly because of its size. Uh, several uh, said, we'll publish uh, select psalms. Hmm. But that defeated something of the whole purpose, because I wanted a consistent voice through the whole Psalter. And uh, I didn't want to neglect certain psalms. And I think that there is a rhythm to the Psalter in the five books. I think that there is a kind of uh, the same themes recirculate. There's kind of a rhythm to the juxtaposition of pain and praise, um, lament and joy. And uh, I wanted to capture that. Um, I think there's, there's reboot psalms uh, sprinkled throughout the Psalter. And so... Uh, the publisher that I went with um, had first turned me down, and their editorial acquisition person left, went, took another job, and I didn't tell them I had been turned down. I wrote to them again <laughs> and presented it, and one thing led to another, and they've, Kriegel has done a beautiful job mm -hmm. on this. Uh, they've been wonderful to work with, and uh, just in terms of their editorial work and artistic work, uh, I couldn't be more pleased. All right. So on the one hand, the Psalter is a central part of the Word of God. Uh, it's certainly worthy of a lengthy commentary. Pastors need help preaching through the Psalms. Uh, if, if that's 
what you're doing in the project, that is definitely enough. But my sense is there's, a, there's an approach that you have to the Psalms that you're also commending a little bit uh, among the pastors and others who will be reading and using the commentary. And maybe even the subtitle uh, of the book or the books themselves, mm -hmm. Jesus's prayer book is, is an indicator of that. Is that a fair thing to say? How would you characterize sort of your take on the Psalms? I think I'm faithful to the historical grammatical method of interpreting scripture. I think we do that due diligence in the book. But I also believe that um, we, from first to last, preach the Psalms from a Christological perspective. And we don't tack it on at the end. Uh, I think that we learn from the apostles uh, a way of uh, a hermeneutic, a way of interpretation that puts Christ right at the beginning and right at the center and right at the end. One, I think it really helps if you pray the Psalms thinking Jesus prayed that Psalm. Mm. And what's the impact of that? Yeah. Because then it turns almost all Psalms into a Christological focus because it describes the, the life of Jesus through the narrative of the Gospels but also the high Christology that comes in the Gospels as well as in the Epistles. I think that's evident. He is the, as T.S. Eliot would say, the objective correlative. It is what this is all about eventually. And so be honest with the historical grammatical context, but also then move into the theological impact of the psalm. So Psalm 1 captures really well the Son of Man. He is the one who uh, meditated on the law day and night and mm. lived it out. Psalm 2 captures really well the Son of God, the Son who kisses the Father. Um, and then the third is the suffering servant. Um, and we're, So it just it opens up to me uh, real preachable material. Yeah. Uh, what about, you're, you're already explaining this a bit, but what I have in my mind right now is not so much pastors who know, already know what you're talking about when you talk about preaching the Psalms Christologically, but maybe lay people who are, yeah, they're kind of, they're feeling you, they're getting a hint as to what you're talking about. And some of them may know that there's a category of Psalms that we refer to as Messianic Psalms that mm -hmm. seem very clearly to be pointing forward towards Jesus. But for a regular Christian who wants to be more faithful uh, as he or she is a reader of the Psalms. Could you give us just a little bit more on, so what does it mean to read them Christologically? What does that sentence mean? Well, I think really to address what you're asking, I would probably say don't worry about that. Hmm. Don't worry about um, a kind of theological interpretation. First, get into the Psalms. And I would hope that my pastoral commentary would help you get into them, uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, the analogy that comes to my mind, the difference between a tourist when it comes to the ocean and a real swimmer or surfer when it comes to the ocean. And I think we're a little bit more like tourists when it comes to the Psalms. We're walking around the edges. We've got a few favorite Psalms. Uh, but it, we should expand our favorite Psalms yeah. beyond Psalm 23, mm -hmm. Psalm 1. And that would be a part of the motivation I would encourage people to have. Get a larger, uh, 
a larger circumference around the Psalms. Um, because I think we need a deeper theology of evil, hmm. and we'll get that in hmm. the Psalms. Hmm. I think we need a deeper understanding of suffering. We'll get that in the Psalms. I don't know about you, but I don't have the words that the psalmist has for praise and doxology. Hmm. And I kind of need that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we all like writers who give a, who get, give us words for our thoughts. And I think the psalmist really does that. And in time, you'll see, I think, Christ in the Psalms. Um, so I wouldn't worry about the Christological. I just take it in. Uh, one of the things that helps me is that uh, sooner or later, every Psalm is going to mean something to you. Uh, maybe a long time, and maybe decades, or someone you know. And I think if you line up the Psalms with uh, the global church, wow, then they're all relevant. Yeah. You line up the Psalms with the household of faith, every Sunday morning somebody's coming in in the worst possible shape, mm -hmm. and somebody's coming in in the greatest possible mood of joy. Mm -hmm. So I, we can work at lining up the Psalms and we're doing ourselves in the spirit a great service to do so yeah. because we have a lot of resource there. Are there some ways in which God has used the Psalms to shape you, to shape your walk with him, to shape your pastoral ministry, to shape your outlook on Christian faith? Oh, very much so. Yeah. I, I think now for quite a even before working on this project, um, uh, the Psalms just, uh, Psalm 103 on salvation, I can't top that in terms of how the, the comprehensiveness and breadth. And uh, a pastor friend of mine memorized that Psalm and would say it uh, from memory during communion. Mm -hmm. And that encouraged me to do the same. Mm -hmm. um, and Psalm 73, uh, just the, uh, the passion of the concern that Asaph has for the brokenness and for the greed of the people of God and coming to terms with that mm -hmm. and feeling repentant because he had, you know, had felt that it was so unfair. That just, uh, that begins to just inform when you're holding a baby and you're thinking Psalm 139, uh, fearfully and wonderfully made and you know I mean how can you be a materialist a naturalist the nature alone material alone person uh, holding a child and thinking of the words of Psalm 139 mm. all right so Dr. Webster uh, I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be your last uh, writing project so uh, do you have another one going on now do you have another one sort of in the works or on your mind that you want to get busy on soon um, Lexham is publishing more than a sermon. I just finished the index, um, and uh, it's about a 300-page paperback, um, two halves, uh, the purpose and practice of preaching. Uh, first half is kind of the, the theology of preaching. The second half, um, I take mainly probably pastors through preparing Lenten and Easter and Christmas and uh, crisis sermons and memorial service and wedding meditations. So I, it's kind of bringing, it's trying to bring to get, this was during, this was pandemic writing basically. 
I was trying to bring everything up and expressed um, as I probably near the end of my ministry. Who knows how long the Lord gives you, but uh, it's what I would like to have down. Um, so I'm very thankful for that project too. Uh, the big long-term project, which will probably never get published, is Stay in the Story. And I work through the Lay Academy. Um, I've so far I've done the wisdom literature, I've done the Pentateuch, and I, I'll be soon doing Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and First and Second Samuel. And uh, again, I, I'm just trying to open the scriptures up, um, take in the whole salvation history. Wonderful, but why do you think it'll never get published? Oh, I, I had trouble like, enough with the length, Psalms. Again, length. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, our listeners are going to buy up so many copies of your big four-volume <laughs> commentary on the Psalms that Kriegel will be dying to publish this. Well, can I give... Uh, <laughs> this is just a pra very practical thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Christianbook.com sells this four-volume thing on the Psalms for $35. Steal of a deal. And on Amazon, it's running uh, close to 80. Um, Kriegel, it's about the same. So uh, christianbook.com is cheaper than I can buy it as the author. Uh, wow. All right, Doug, uh, you know we like to end these podcast interviews by asking our guests uh, what the Lord is doing in your life these days, what he's teaching you, what's going on in your spiritual growth, uh, even as a mature Christian. So we ask that of you. What's what's God doing in your life? This is the first week of classes at Beeson, um, and I'm nervous all over again. Hmm. It's it's funny. It's how that that first week of school doesn't change. Uh, Jonah started. Our grandson, uh, who's uh, five, just started um, kindergarten, and I told Jonah, you know, Granddad feels the same way you do. Um, it's you know, I have an opportunity in pastoral theology and preaching with a whole new group of people to um, hopefully help and, and not take away mm -hmm. uh, and uh, aim to kind of instruct them in what it is to be a pastor. So I feel humbled by that. Uh, we're involved uh, with Church of the Cross here in Birmingham, which is an EPC church plant. I preached this week on Matthew 16, 13 through 28. So... My mind is uh, is there in that text as well. Um, so it's just uh, trying to live in the rhythms that of grace that God gives me. Yeah. Well, I've always thought you know you are with uh, someone who really ought to be preaching and teaching when you're with someone who, even after having done it for many many years, still mm -hmm. gets excited about it, still has adrenaline pump uh, when it comes time to do it. So. Thanks for your ongoing excitement about caring for the people of God and the students of Beeson Divinity School. Well, it's a privilege and, and a joy, uh, even if it's uh, nerve-wracking. <laughs> Listeners, this has been Dr. Doug Webster, who has taught here at Beeson for 16 years and been involved in pastoral and theological ministry for many more years than that. Uh, he's a beloved colleague and a dear friend. Thank you, Doug, for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Please pray for the Lord's work here at Beeson. We're praying for you, and we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from the campus of Samford University. Our theme music is by Advent Birmingham. 
Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our engineer is Rob Willis, and our show host is Doug Sweeney. For more episodes and to subscribe, visit BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast. You can also find the Beeson Podcast on iTunes and Spotify.